want to welcome you to the 2022 Johnson County Interfaith uh, Coalition's Candidate Forum. Oh, y'all can do better than that. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about hearing from our candidates. I'm excited about being able to vote. I, I, I'm excited. Hey, we all ought to be excited about this time and be, and, and be excited for change. The change we want to see is sitting in this room right now. I hope. I am Pastor, I am Pastor Tony Smith. I'm the pastor of New Creations International Church, and I'm also the co-chair of the Johnson County Interfaith Coalition. I'll be your MC this afternoon, and if you if you haven't registered for a door prize, please do so at the back at the back of the room. We have six uh, gift certificates from local businesses. For a quick orientation of, of the building, we are currently in the sanctuary. Uh, a hall uh, to, uh, to the bathrooms is behind the two doors to my left. The meeting room where the candidates will be available for individual conversations is through the same two doors uh, or the, the door behind me to the right. The kids' activity area is off to, in the general meeting room, and drawings for the door prizes will be around, around 315. Uh, I want to uh, first thank the Purpose Place and Pastor Fred Newell for their continued support. Awesome, awesome, awesome. This, uh, this church is, is ideal location for our forum, and I want to thank the Iowa, uh, Iowa City Channel 4 and, and Ty Coleman for taping and live streaming the forum. And uh, without further ado, I'm pleased to announce, oh, I'm pleased to announce the Unitarian Universal Society for sponsoring the program, the food, the interpreters, and printing. Our forum focuses on educating voters about candidates, issues, and the voting process. And if you aren't registered to vote, register, register today uh, at, the, at the auditor's table or the League of Women Voters table. I'd like, to, uh, I'd like Travis uh, Weeper, the Johnson County uh, Auditor, to stand, if he's here. Is he here? Come on, give a big wave. We'd like to take a moment to say thank you to the auditor's staff and their hard work to ensure our safe and uh, for safe and accurate elections. Four candidates are running uncontested seats uh, are present here, and I'd like Adam Zibner, Rachel Zimmerman Smith, Scott. Uh, Finney-Sun, if I hope I said it right, and Kim Painter to stand. 
These candidates will be uh, available for discussion later in the program. Uh, are there any current elected Johnson County officials that are here today? Uh, would, you, would you please stand? Awesome, awesome. These candidates, uh, uh, we hope, will also be available to discuss issues uh, following this portion of the program. Uh, watch for their name tags and uh, listing their office. Now I would like to introduce Ms. B. Hicks, a member of the Johnson County Interfaith uh, uh, Steering Committee, who will manage the candidate presentations over the next 60 minutes. Please welcome her. Thank you, Pastor. Good afternoon. We have a packed afternoon planned for you with a bunch of candidates who are going to speak to us about five different uh, elections for the state, county, and national offices. In addition to the general introductory remarks, candidates will address issues specific to the office they aspire to in Johnson County, in the state of Iowa, and for the U.S. Congress. The priorities of the South District Neighborhood Association, the New Creations International Church, and the Johnson County Interfaith Integrated Voter Engagement Committee determine the issues to be addressed today. Matisse Arnon will be our timekeeper. Where are you, Matisse? Just raise your hand. You can't miss him. We invited all current candidates from both Republican and Democratic parties to participate in the forum today, but some were unable to participate. Nonetheless, we believe that you deserve to hear from those who have agreed to join us this afternoon, even though their opponents are not present. Would Deidre Desir come to the stage, please? Deidre Dejere is the Democratic candidate running for the office of Iowa governor against Governor Kim Reynolds. Deidre will be discussing health care, specifically reproductive care and education. You have five minutes. Awesome. You want a separate microphone or you want this Can I take one? it off? Uh, oh, Can I pull it off? Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. That's good. All right. It's so good to be back here at the Purpose Place. How are y'all doing today? Good, so I only have five quick minutes, and I know I'm supposed to talk about health care, reproductive care, education, all the cares, child cares, right? That's incredibly important. But before they push me off the stage and tell me I don't have enough time, I'm here to tell you that your voice means something in this election cycle. 
right? It means so much in this election cycle. And when I think about all of the communities of people that have been a part of change in our past, the faith community has been an integral part in the process. And perhaps it is because faith is what moves us to use our voice via the ballot box, knowing or not knowing how that vote will count at the end of the day, whether or not the person that we are selecting will be the person who wins, but be believe enough in our voice to actually use it. And, and I'm sharing that with you all right now, and the reason why I'm sharing that with you all right now is because there's folks out here that don't believe that their voice counts. There's folks out here that don't believe that their voice matters. And it's incredibly important for the folks who do believe in the voice, the, pe the people who do believe what, ha what can happen if they use that voice, that you all share that message with other people. Because we know our democracy counts for something. We know it counts for something. We know that it's worth fighting for, and there's evidence. The first election, only white male landowners could vote. You know, when George Washington, was, none of y'all were there. But, but in that election, only white male landowners could vote. It wasn't enough to be a man. It wasn't enough to be white. You also had to own land. And look at how far we've come. And we didn't come this far organically. We didn't come this far out of combustion. We have gotten this far because we have used this tool called democracy. And right now, when freedom is on the line, when freedom is on the line, when freedom is on the ballot box, we have to make sure that we are insistent on not only using our voice, but encouraging others to use their voice as well. Now, when you all leave here, I want you to go find some folks that you can engage in the process. The people who are 18 to 34 year olds, because that group, we, we need that group participating. Their voice is incredibly important to the process. I want you to go find communities of color. We need that group to engage in our process. I want you to go find folks that may not be in your party. We need folks to engage in our process because freedom is literally on the line and not just as it relates to the ballot box. Our freedom to be able to go to send our students to a school where, that's going to actually prepare them for a future and, and give them the opportunity to compete not only with their peers but against the world. That freedom is at stake right now. That freedom is at stake. The freedom to, to be able to go into a doctor's office and make a decision that's within your best interest after consulting with your doctor, that freedom is at stake because for some reason politicians think their opinion matters in that doctor's office as well. That freedom is at stake. The, the freedom to be able to use your health insurance that you pay good money for and not be turned away from services. That type of freedom is at stake. I firmly believe that each and every one of us deserves access to life, liberty, and happiness. But we should also be healthy and whole along that journey. We also should be that way. And, and unfortunately, folks, as I'm traveling across the state in our rural communities, folks got to drive 45, 60 miles to get care. In our urban communities, they live right next door to the hospital and can't get the care that they need. Our health care system is not meeting the needs of Iowans right now. And I want to tell you that the reason why I love democracy is because we get the opportunity utilizing this tool to go the distance for folks. What we're consistently seeing right now is that elected officials will create policy for this side of the room. And they'll go and they'll brag to the media and they'll say, look at what we did. We helped this side of the room. Meanwhile, the folks on this side of the room are looking around like, what about us? Now, we're in football season right now. 
And, and you can't score a goal if you're just on first and goal. You've got to get to the end zone. Well, the same should be replicated in our democracy. We have to go the distance for people. We should no longer settle for going halfway because we have communities of people across the state who are relying upon leadership to help us go the distance. That's why I'm signing up for this work, folks. I firmly believe that Iowa is worth the work and we're no longer gonna settle for policies that are designated to rob Peter and pay Paul. We're gonna make sure Paul is good, we're gonna make sure Peter is good, and we're also gonna take care of Paula too. We're gonna do that. And we're gonna do it because democracy is at stake and none of us in this room can afford for it to fall by the wayside, so we might as well keep fighting. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Deidre. Our next set of candidates, could you come to the stage, please? Will Jacob Onkin, Eleanor Levin, Harold Weinbenner, and Janet Weiner, please come to the stage. I'd like to first introduce Jane, uh, Jacob Orkin, Republican candidate for House District 89 in Iowa. He will address health care, especially reproductive care and education. Jacob, you have three minutes. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Jacob Bonka, and I'm running for Iowa House of Representatives, District 89. Um, that is uh, pretty much Muscatine Avenue, Melrose Avenue, and South, and you know, uh, Iowa City. Um, you can look at my website, onkenfor89.com, and you can find the exact district lines. Um, but just a little bit about me to introduce myself. I am an Iowan. I was born and raised uh, in the Quad City area. More specifically, Donahue, Iowa, very little town outside of Eldridge. I went to North Scott High School. Um, I'm a man of faith. I am um, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am a former missionary. Um, when I was 19 years old, I went down to Brazil. I lived there for two years um, with the different companions and met different people, and I taught about the gospel of Jesus Christ in the language of Portuguese. So if there's anybody out there who would like to speak with me in Portuguese after, just let me know. I love to practice whenever I can. Um, it doesn't happen very often here in Iowa City, but sometimes I get lucky, so. Um, the reason I got um, into this position that I am now as a candidate is because I'm very concerned with some of the, some of the things going on in our communities, in our state, um, and in our country, to be quite frank. Um, my wife and I, we moved to Iowa City back in 2017. 
Um, so I could go to law school here, and I graduated University of Iowa Law School in 2019. Um, since then, uh, you know, I worked for Collins Aerospace, and I've been living here since then. We bought a home in um, Santilla Estates over off Lingenberg Avenue back in 2020. And you know, as I've lived here and spent time here and got to know the people of Iowa City, I've really come to love the people here, and I've really enjoyed uh, um, being so close to Kinnick Stadium and supporting the Hawkeyes. Um, and I've really enjoyed getting to know all of you. And those things have really made me love the community. Um, but I'm, I'm very concerned uh, with what our values are as Iowans, and it's important to me that we stand up uh, for what is right. And that doesn't always mean that it is easy. And we see a lot of uh, examples of that in the Bible and the scriptures. We see oftentimes uh, doing what's right is not easy but we need to stand up uh, for what we know to be true regardless. And so um, I am someone who believes that life begins at conception. I am someone who believes that a child should not be removed from the womb forcefully um, and aborted. Um, I'm someone who believes that um, God loves each and every single one of us and he will work with us through our challenges and difficulties. And as we put faith in him, he will bless us. And I am Someone also who believes that um, these things are important and these values are important for us to uh, be a moral society and a society that is God-fearing and a society that is going to um, be successful and blessed. And so those are some of the reasons I'm running. I know I didn't really touch on my issues. It took me a lot longer to introduce myself than I thought it would. But I am Jacob Monk and I'm running for the Iowa House District 89. And I would love to get to know you after. Please uh, come up and talk to me, and we can talk through some of the, my other issues. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob. Let's have another hand for Jacob. Eleanor Levin, Democratic candidate for Iowa House District 89, will now address these same issues, health care, especially reproductive care and education. You have three minutes. Good afternoon, y'all. Thank you so much for being here. It's, um, it's incredibly valuable that you would take time out of your Saturday to hear from us. Education reproductive rights and health care are some of the reasons that I'm here. I'm an Iowan by choice twice over, and I would not be here if it weren't for the fact that I came to learn at Cornell College to become an educator. I was a public school teacher in Iowa for three years, mostly as a long-term sub before I moved to teach in North Carolina, then moved to California where I became a private writing tutor and then got to come home finally. Bought my house literally a block from here and said I'm never going anywhere again. Educators and those who work in our public schools are focused day after day on ensuring that every kid knows they have the right to grow up to a happy and successful life. Now, to me, that is the best thing we can do for our kids. Make sure that they have the right to feel happy with who they are. Not to live in a world where they are afraid to express the things that they love, where they are afraid to be who they know themselves to be, 
but to live in a community that embraces them at every moment in their development. Education for everyone is a public good. Education that does not discriminate, that does not turn kids away. And that's why public dollars belong in public schools. <laughs> education uplifts and education gives us community. Now, the other side of what we're talking about today is healthcare, including reproductive rights. The reason we got to move back here is because my spouse got to go to Carver Co College of Medicine at University of Iowa to become a doctor. Healthcare is pretty important to me. And I've lived without insurance. I've lived on government insurance. And I've lived on an insurance plan provided by an employer. And I've lived on an insurance plan I provided for myself by purchasing it on the uh, insurance marketplace. So I've seen the gamut of our healthcare system. And let me tell you, none of them are perfect. But what I do know is that when I have insurance, I don't live in the fear that I did when I didn't have insurance. When I have access to healthcare, it makes a difference in my day-to-day -day life. <laughs> With respect to re reproductive healthcare, we have settled this issue long ago because we know that as a society we believe in bodily autonomy. Individuals have a right to make decisions about their own bodies, even in the case of a person who is deceased. We do not have the right to remove their organs, even to save someone else's life. Why do we think it's any different in the case of pregnancy? Thank you so much for being here. I ask you, ask you, ask you to show up to vote starting this Wednesday, October 19th through Tuesday, November 8th. Thank you. Thank you, Eleanor. I'd like to now introduce Harold Weinbrenner, Republican running for Iowa Senate District 45, who will discuss health care with a focus on reproductive rights and education. You have three minutes. Thank you, it's Weil Brenner. And I've, I've had to spell it and pronounce it my entire life. <laughs> okay. I'm Harold Weilbrenner. I graduated from high school in Ottumwa. Uh, I, I went to work for the state uh, 31 and a half years ago and spent most of my life trying to help veterans find jobs. <clears throat> I am anti-abortion. Uh, I believe in the right uh, in cases of, of uh, incest and rape and in the mother's health, those are the exceptions. African Americans have had far over six million babies aborted, a higher percentage than any other group in America. So. That's where I stand on that. Education. Education is the foundation for American future for crises that arise and for solutions. We need to have a very good public education system, and I wholeheartedly support that. And also, uh, I understand people. Teachers are the ones that make a big impression on little kids. 
When I was growing up, I wanted to become a fifth grade math teacher because we had a fantastic fifth grade math teacher. I really liked Mrs. Mills. Uh, she, you had to stay in after school though and practice your facts uh, if you didn't get those multiplication, division, subtraction factors down because that all is what math is based upon. Uh, in high school, or junior high, kids need to be exposed to home ec and uh, shop. They've got to be able to balance a checkbook uh, if we, because if you don't, you're going to get really big financial trouble. And uh, those credit cards, they're very easy to get into debt, but that compound interest really picks up, and before you know it, you're down in, you're over your head. So we need to train kids up for the facts of what the ordinary citizen needs to do in order to survive in this country and live to their full pressure of what they want to become. So I guess that just about does it. Thank you for your attention and vote on November 8th, either for Democrat or Republican, but you sure and go out and vote. Thank you, Harold Wildbrenner. Thank you. Uh, next, I'd like to introduce Janice Weiner as the Democratic candidate running for Iowa State District 45. She will also discuss health care with a focus on reproductive rights and education. Janice, you have three minutes. Thank you very much. Thank you to Jay Cake in the South District for putting on this forum. It is so important that everyone have a chance to hear what the candidates stand for and that you have access to us. I'm Janice Weiner. I am the Democratic nominee for State Senate District 45. That's most of Iowa City and University Heights. I was fortunate to have a world-class public education right here in Iowa City. And that, together with my 26 years serving my country as a US diplomat, really informed who I am. I've worn many hats in my life, uh, but really what I'm thinking about right now are some of the experiences that I had and why so many other public servants are running. There are people from the military, from the foreign service, from the intelligence service running. Why are we running? We served our country, we did the work of democracy at home and abroad, and we are not about to see it torn down here. And make no mistake, this election is about our rights and freedoms the right to decent health care, which Deidre spoke about so eloquently, the right to a public education, which Eleanor spoke about in, in detail, as someone who, who benefited from public schools, as someone whose granddaughter is just starting in the public school system, I can say unequivocally that public dollars are for public schools. And we need to stand up for our reproductive rights. These are, real, these are under threat. We, abortion is still legal in Iowa up to 20 weeks, but make no mistake, the, it is the, those rights are hanging by a thread. There are, there's, it's, even, it's almost hard to know where to start on this because I'm not aware that the legislature has a medical degree. I'm not aware that the legislature feels should have a right to stand in a doctor's room. And they certainly don't 
have the right to tell me or you or your grandkids or your kids what they can do with their lives. If we really want to be pro-life, let's think about the things that will help. Parental leave, a, a higher minimum wage, um, better universal health care, universal child care, universal pre-K with wraparound care. There are a lot of things we can do. We can also refund Planned Parenthood. Did you know that the state with the lowest, the, with the lowest percentage of abortion is Colorado, where they funded family planning and Planned Parenthood? In any event, it's really important that every single person get out and vote this year. Your vote is your voice. Please exercise it. There will be early voting, including right here, one, one week from tomorrow on the 23rd of October from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. I'm Janice Weiner. I'm running for the state senate. Your vote is your voice. I ask for your vote. Thank you so much. Let's give a hand for our four who just spoke, who will be leaving the stage now. Thank you. Watch your step. I would now like our four Johnson County Supervisor candidates to come to the stage. Jamie Bradshaw, V. Fixer Oris, John Green and Phil Hemingway are running for two supervisor positions. They will give introductory remarks and then each will speak on mental health, especially youth in crises, law enforcement, especially use of armored vehicles and affordable housing. Jamie Bradshaw, Republican candidate, please begin. You have four minutes. Hi, my name is Jamie Bradshaw. I'm gonna take the hat off so you guys can all see me real clear here. A little bit about me. So I am a mom, I'm a veteran. I'm a wife of 10 years to my very, very crazy but very handsome husband. And um, I also am a very experienced person who works with engineering, analytics, and business. So what I mean by that is when I was in the military, I had a very interesting job. What I did is I was actually an aircraft mechanic for the first seven years, so I spent time on the ground turning wrenches, repairing aircraft. Not only did I repair normal aircraft, but I repaired aircraft flying DV missions. So DV missions are distinguished visitors. That means that I worked side by side with people such as Nancy Pelosi, such as Michelle Obama. I flew them all over the world, okay? This was my job. So I got to meet these people, first name basis, shook their hand, learned to communicate with them, even though they had values that I didn't necessarily agree with. After those first seven years, I actually did an even more interesting job. I went up into something called mission planning, and uh, what I did there, was I actually controlled the money that we used to uh, filter the missions that we had for that year. I planned out all our resources for the entire year to figure out if we could afford to fly these missions, how much it was gonna cost the government, how much it was gonna cost the state, and how much it was gonna cost the unit. So to say I have a little bit of knowledge about figuring out budgets and things like that, just a small bit. After I left the military, I actually went to work for another big organization you guys probably know of, which is Boeing. So I worked as an engineering analyst for Boeing. 
Anybody heard of the KC-46s? No, okay. So this is the new presidential fleet. So when that came out, I actually designed the maintenance program to keep those aircraft in the air and to make it so that not only did these aircraft fly as most economically and functional as possible, but it made it so that the taxpayers weren't incurring a huge expense. So I have a little bit of knowledge about budgetary expenses. But there's another aspect that I have also. I have a number for you guys, 22. 22 is how many veterans every single day commit suicide. 22 people, men and women, who have served our country proud in harm's way and in places that most of us have never even been. 22 people that give their lives because when they come home, they don't receive the proper mental health care that they need. They come home and they're forgotten. And personally, as a veteran, as a mom, as someone who has dealt with some of those issues, I think that's ridiculous. Now, Johnson County is working very hard to try and improve that, but there is a lot of work that we still need to do. Personally, I think we need to institute something called a mentorship program, and maybe I'm a little cheesy, but I like the name called Generations. I think what we need to do is we need to bridge that gap that we have between all the different generations and make it so that we are taking care of our people. We're not relying on just the services that the government can provide. We're relying on each other. Because honestly, just like the ladies were up here singing, I need you and you need me, okay? The only way we're gonna make Johnson County the best place it can be is if we step up and we help each other out. The other thing that Johnson County is facing is affordable housing. But we can't do the same programs that we've had before. They don't work. The people who are supposed to put those together, they forget, and those housings end up falling to the wayside and falling apart. I say let's take a different approach. Instead of using the same standard programs that don't work, let's take these buildings that exist here, let's give, uh, apparently I'm supposed to stop, sorry. If you guys wanna find out more, stop by, talk to me, I'd be love to talk to you about it. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, next, we'll have V. Fixoris, who will speak on the same topics. V, you have four minutes. Thank you. And I want to say thank you to everybody who's here, thank you to The Purpose Place, and everybody at home who is listening. So my name is V. Fixmore rise and I'm a Democrat uh, running for Johnson County Board of Supervisors. I actually also come from a military family, so um, I kind of was raised in uh, military bases and know what it's like to see firsthand what it feels like to serve my country, but also what family sacrifice looks like. Um, about 10 years ago, my wife and I moved here to the university. Uh, she is a professor at the University of Iowa, and I completed my master's degree in urban and regional planning, specifically focused on land use. And uh, about seven years ago, uh, my wife and I decided to start a family. And so uh, in Iowa, that not only felt like an act of radical love, but also radical resistance. So as a queer, BIPOC, transgendered human in this state, I actually know what it's like to have your freedoms threatened. I know what it's like to not only have questioned who you love, but also what bathroom you can use and what sports you can play. And I can tell you, we cannot let that happen. We cannot continue to let legislators tell people what they can and can't do and where they can and can't be um, when that is threatening your freedom. 
So I also started a planning firm here in Iowa City, and we focus on climate change and social and racial justice because we know that with the impacts of climate change, such as more flooding, derechos, uh, those kinds of issues, that people who are already at the margins are only going to be more, made more vulnerable. So our firm focuses on making sure that we center those voices and experiences and value those. So that is what drives planning. Not just planning for those that we've always been planning for, but those that are most directly impacted. That's what I do every day, and I'm honored to work with our community. I have also worked across the state and in Johnson County. So I'm actually a de facto uh, department head at the, at the um, uh, Johnson County Historic Poor Farm. So I've been working actually at the county for six years and know how to get things on agendas, set budgets. So I literally can come into the job day one and get things moving, which is what we need to be doing. So I have about 15 years experience convening and facilitating things, but I'm here today to talk about mental health and affordable housing and militarized vehicles and our police force. And let me tell you, I have um, just real compassion for our teachers and educators and those that work in mental health um, really everywhere, but I'm going to specifically say in Johnson County because we know that our children, our communities are on fire. We have been living through a pandemic and we can't expect kids to just go to school and do their math exams. It's not enough to think about metrics when we need to be caring for people that want to know, are they going to have a world to live in? Is climate change? I can't tell you how many students tell me that they are horrified about climate change, that it is literally, why get out of bed if it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow? It gives me chills, everybody. It is unacceptable. We are the adults in the room, and we need to care for our youth. And we know how to do that in Johnson County because we have amazing organizations that are already working. United Action for Youth, uh, Purpose Place does a lot of work. We know there are organizations that are here and we need to well fund them. Fund them like they've never been funded before because we need new solutions and people can't be thinking about what grant requirements they need to fulfill when they need to be thinking about the 10-year-old kid that's thinking about committing suicide. We can't let that be the metric anymore. So that's mental health. And I'm also quickly going to touch on affordable housing because I'm the vice president of the Johnson County Affordable Housing Coalition and have the ex distinct pleasure of working with our nonprofits. And let's just say affordable housing is an issue everywhere. It is especially an issue here in Johnson County. And we have solutions. Please come talk to me. I am out of time as well. Um, but I also want to say for militarized vehicles that we cannot have militarized uh, vehicles in our police force if we continue to want to have a democracy in this country because we need to be able to go to the streets to protest our government and not feel the fear of uh, a war. Thank you. Be fixed or rise. Next we have John Green, same subject, John, four minutes. Hello, South District. John Green, it's good to be here. So we have three topics. I'm just going to very briefly say, yes, I agree. We should not have militarized law enforcement vehicles in this community. It is corrosive to the public trust. I also recognize that we are facing a crisis in housing affordability. Uh, I've been very fortunate to have been working with V. We are working on a proposal 
whereas perhaps the county could provide some resources to help these issues. But what I want to do, I want to spend most of my time talking about the children's mental health crisis. V just mentioned uh, the 10-year-old that's uh, getting suicidal. I was that 10-year-old when I was a kid. You know, anybody, we've all been kids. We all know how hard it can be, right? Well, let's throw in a pandemic. Let's throw in the climate catastrophe. Let's throw in an economic crisis. Let's throw in a land war in Europe. Yeah, so it's hard to be a kid anytime. I was very fortunate. I had a lot of people in my corner. I had access to resources, to interventions, to therapy. And that's why I'm here today. We need to provide these resources for every kid. Because by the time that you get to where I was at, wanting to kill myself, we have already failed, right? So, how do we get out ahead of this? I, I want to thank Charisma for their performance opening us this afternoon. You know, we need a more loving environment. And yeah, I want to talk about policies and stuff. I love talking policy, but let's, let's talk about principle for just a minute. Kids need to have access to a place to live, which is why affordable housing is so near and dear to me. We need to have educators that are trained, that are resourced, that don't have to do GoFundMes to buy school supplies. They need to have not only the financial support immediately, you need paras, you need school counselors, you need people who can identify kids that are in crisis and intervene. This is all, I mean, like I said, I've been there. We have the resources here in Johnson County to do these things. We have the talent. We have the people who want to help our kids. It is incumbent upon all of us to work together to ensure that we are all pulling in the same direction. Everybody, everybody is susceptible because we see it in the atomization that we face every day. Things are tenuous. We're on the edge of the knife. But we can all extend a hand to one another and help one another and bring us through these moments of crisis because crisis is something we will all face. So let's face tomorrow together to ensure that the crises that kids face are getting mitigated. That's my pitch. We have the resources. Let's just do the work. Thank you. Thank you, John. Next, we'll have Phil Hemingway, Republican candidate. Same issues. You have four minutes. First, in uh, full disclosure, uh, I do have a business relationship with uh, Pastor Smith that uh, goes back a few years. I uh, repaired his uh, boiler in uh, his church on Co uh, Court Street, 
and also uh, sold him a lawnmower that uh, I hear is still going, which I'm still, still running. So, uh, quality work there. My name is Phil Hemingway. I'm a lifelong resident of Johnson County. I was born here in 1959. I grew up on my family's farm between Morris and Oasis. Uh, after graduating high school, I worked on my family's farm. Uh, in uh, the mid-80s, I was given a great opportunity to manage Roy Carver's uh, cattle ranch in Belize, Central America, where I met my wife, Anita, of uh, 30 years. We celebrated this week, and uh, thank you. It's been a blessed relationship. It's, it's been fantastic. Um, and uh, I uh, worked in the former uh, Soviet Union and Africa. Um, when my daughter was born, I put my suitcase away and uh, opened up a business so I could be, act, uh, be an active participant in uh, her development and her growth here in Iowa City. Um, she got a great education in the Iowa City Public Schools. Um, I, uh, begot, I became active in the Iowa City Public Schools when I saw that they had done away with the home building program uh, to save $60,000. So I started attending meetings and uh, uh, following the budgetary issues and things like that. I was elected in 2015. Um, I was the chairman of the finance committee during that period. I uh, oversaw a budget uh, that dwarfs the county's budget, uh, four times the number of employees. Uh, oversaw uh, the largest uh, school bond issue in state history at the time, $193 million, and provided fiscal oversight to the community for free um, as an unpaid volunteer. Uh, the questions before us today are concerning uh, uh, mental health care. Uh, as a school board member, this is something that came before us many times. Uh, we saw the uh, increases in the needs for services and care for our students uh, all during uh, my time on the board. Uh, teachers are mandatory uh, reporters. Thank you, hon. And uh, it, the compounding problems of the pandemic where students were uh, doing education remotely and things like that, they lost that valuable link. And uh, yes, yeah, suicide is huge. It's the second largest cause of death for young people right now, which is something we can't, we can't allow. It has, to be, uh, it has to be seriously addressed. And there's also a problem just, you know, we're, we're blessed to have the GuideLink Center here. It allows people to come in and actually check themselves in as well, which when I was speaking with Sheriff uh, uh, Kunkel, that uh, that was, a, that was a, a, something that he said was an added benefit. Um, so uh, we need to make sure that that is fully funded and that works well. As far as on uh, armored vehicles and the, the sheriff's office, the sheriff is an elected official. If anybody doesn't like what he's doing, vote him out. You know, he's on the ballot. If you don't like his policies, get him out of there. I had a meeting with him. We discussed the issue. The AMRAM is definitely too much. But he would like to have a Bearcat to ensure safety for citizens and for his own staff. I think that's completely uh, reasonable. And the AMRAM, there's only a few people who can drive it. The armored vehicle, uh, many, uh, off of, many people can use it, and uh, other, other people can use it. Unaffordable housing, we're the most expensive community, and I've gotten the stop sign as well. Uh, but uh, one thing I will say that 
Uh, accessory dwelling units is a great opportunity for us that way, and I will look forward to discussing that with people afterwards. Thank you very much. Thank you, Phil. Thank all of you. Now we're going to shift to uh, uh, from state and county races to the U.S. Congress. We have Christina Bohannon is the Democratic candidate running for the U.S. House District Number One against uh, Representative Marionette Miller Meeks. Christina will be discussing gun violence prevention and immigration. Christina, you have five minutes. Hello, good to see you, thank you. I just ran in, I had a family funeral this morning, so <laughs> rushed into from Cedar Rapids to see you guys, but I'm really happy to be here and it's really good to see all of you. Um, so first, uh, I, I, I will talk about immigration and gun violence. Um, you know, I, uh, I first just wanna introduce myself. You know, this is home for me. I live here in Iowa City. I know so many of you, but for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Christina Bohannon. I'm a law professor at the University of Iowa. I've been teaching there for about 23 years. Uh, I teach constitutional law, among a number of other subjects. Um, I also represent Iowa City in the uh, State House currently, and uh, so I've been doing that for a couple of years, and that's been a tremendous honor for me. Uh, so first of all, I just want to say thank you for being here. It's so important that we show up for these things and that we're thinking so deeply about this election because there is so much on the ballot. Um, our democracy is on the ballot. Uh, women's rights to control their own bodies is on the ballot. Uh, working people and things like Social Security and Medicare and health care are on the ballot. Uh, you know, it, this is something that really matters to me. I, um, I'm a law professor now, but I was not born that way. I, uh, I grew up in a trailer off of a dirt road and uh, neither of my parents graduated high school. My dad was a construction worker. Uh, he worked very long hours in the hot sun for very little pay. And he got sick with emphysema at one point and suffered with that for about 10 years. And just as he got really, really sick, they canceled his health insurance. And we had never had much before that, but when that happened, we lost everything. And so I know what it's like to struggle. I know that sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes even people who work hard need a little help. And that's what I see when I go over all over Southeast Iowa and are people who are really working hard, but they need a little help and a lot of them are not getting a fair shot. I'll tell you, my, you know, my opponent, Marionette Miller Meeks, who won this seat, does anybody know by how many? Six, everybody knows, I love it. Six votes, she won this seat by six votes. And you would think that if you only win something by maybe six votes, you might want to try doing something good for the people you represent. That seems like a good idea, right? If only to keep your seat, you know, you might want to do that. But I'll tell you, she has voted against every single thing that would make Iowans' everyday lives better. 
She voted against infrastructure to fix our roads and bridges and give us broadband internet. She voted against bringing good manufacturing jobs back from places like China and Taiwan to places like Iowa. She has said she would privatize Social Security and raise the retirement age. She voted against bringing down drug prices by letting Medicare negotiate for lower drug prices and capping the price of insulin that millions of people need. Every time she had a chance to do something good for ordinary, everyday Iowans, she has been against, against, against. So, you know, we have an amazing opportunity here if we will get out the vote, because this is going to be one of the closest elections in the country. This is one of the closest races in the country. And we have an opportunity right here in Johnson County. There are major efforts underway to get out the vote. And we can run up the numbers here in Johnson County and bring good representation back to this district, help the Democrats hold on to the U.S. House, save our country and our democracy in 2022. So I want to say a couple of things about immigration and gun violence, and I know Temple just did a great job on the, on the gun piece, but I want to say this. First of all, on the gun violence, the, the, the bill that's in the Iowa, uh, that's, that's on the ballot in 2022 is very, very dangerous. Uh, this is something I teach. I teach what strict scrutiny means, and here's what I want to say about this. Even if you support basic Second Amendment rights to own a gun, to lawful, responsible gun ownership, that is not what this is. This amendment is like the Second Amendment on steroids. This is like a supercharged Second Amendment. It makes it really difficult to pass any gun safety legislation and to have it be upheld. It even threatens gun safety laws that are already on the books. So this is dangerous. We do not want to go down this road in Iowa. We need to stop it. We need to turn over the ballot and vote no. Uh, we also need to elect people to Congress who will support gun safety legislation. And there was a bill that went through Congress this last time, this last session, uh, that would increase our security in our schools, that would make it possible, easier for states to pass red flag laws, like Temple mentioned, to get the guns out of the hands of people who are mentally ill, who are a threat to themselves or others. Um, and my opponent, Marionette Miller-Meeks, voted no on that bill. So we need to elect people who will pass expanded background checks, pass gun safety legislation, and keep our kids and our communities safe. Thank you. Let's thank all of our candidates who were here and Temple who talked about gun safety. We've learned a lot about them. We learned where they stand on issues. And it's just wonderful to have them come out this morning, this afternoon. And we really appreciate it. So and now I'll turn the program over to Pastor Tony. And I'm out of here. Thank you so much for participating. Let's give a big hand for our candidates.
And let's give a, 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 a even bigger hand for our coordinators, uh, Miss Donna. Miss Donna Hurst is is uh, is uh, amazing. So, and all of and all of the other people that have assisted, we thank you very much.